All right, so before we get into the message, I've asked uh, Adam, our men's group leader, to come up and read the verses that we're going to be going through. So, Adam, if you would come up here, we're going to do something a little different, too, because I love the Word of God and I want to show him respect. Let's, let's all stand at the, the reading of the Word of God. Now that makes me feel self-conscious. <laughs> <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Um, this is Genesis 28, 10 through 22, so if you want to follow along in their scriptures, uh, let's fire it up. Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven, and he saw angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust on the earth. They will spread all out in all directions to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more is I am with you. I will protect you and wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely, the Lord is in this place. I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God for the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against and set it upright against him as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil all over it, and he named the place Bethel, which means house of God although it was previously called Luz. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God, and I will be present to God, or I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. Thank you. Thank you. You guys can have a seat. So we are going to be in that piece of scripture today in Genesis chapter 28, kind of uh, looking at this amazing dream that Jacob had. Um, and I thought it'd be great to read the scripture with you, although we oftentimes we post, post what we're going to go through and I'm going to dig through part of that. I would love for you guys to get involved uh, in a small group throughout the week or, or take your family through this. You can go to pursuegod.org forward slash AC and you can find this is the first, uh, this will be the first article uh, you can follow along today if you want on your phone or you can go throughout the week and talk through some of these talking points that we're going to be going through. But hey, my name's Eric. I'm the lead pastor here at Alpine Church in Brigham City. If you don't know me, I, I would love to get to know you and meet you before you leave today. But I get to uh, 
bring the fourth week of our message in Jesus in Genesis. We've been looking at how even though Jesus' name isn't mentioned in the Old Testament, the name of Jesus, we see him everywhere all throughout the Bible. And we picked five weeks in the book of Genesis to pick these stories to show you really that the Bible really is always pointing to Jesus. The Old Testament pointing forward, the New Testament pointing back. And so Jesus is everywhere. He is the the central theme of God's word. And so today we're going to be looking at this story as you heard Jesus as the stairway to heaven. Now, if I could ask the worship team to to come back up and cue the Led Zeppelin cover song Stairway to Heaven, that would be that would be really awesome. But I don't see our guitarist in here, so maybe maybe next service, right? Maybe you know maybe that's not the right music for for church. But uh, you know I I used to love classic rock music. Like I I used to play guitar when I was a teenager, and and uh, I played I didn't play my own stuff, but I would try to play all the old classic rock stuff, right? Like I'd even try to do some Jimi Hendrix, some Led Zeppelin, and and just the '60s, the '70s. You know, all the way to the 90s, that's when the good guitar was, right? Does anybody want to say amen to that, right, and agree with me? That is where the good guitar was. But did you know that a lot of these songs, right, if you didn't know Led Zeppelin made, like, their most famous song is Stairway to Heaven, okay? And, uh, but did you know that back in the 60s and the 70s, there, most music, like, music all throughout time has always been... Uh, influenced by the Word of God, by Scripture, right? And so, and even in the 60s and 70s, there was, it was either in rebellion to religious pressure on them, or it was because the, the culture just knew the Bible more than we do. Now, we live in this culture now where, you know, not a lot, the younger generations aren't really hearing a lot about the Bible because it's becoming more and more secularized and, you know, the separation of church and state and all of that. Uh, but, Hey, at least there's some benefits, right? We don't have the tie-dye shirts and the bell-bottoms and the the Mary Jane anymore, right? That's not really a thing. Or is it? It seems like all that stuff's coming back and being popular again, right? Like, so there's nothing new under the sun, as the Bible says, right? There's a season for everything, and there's nothing new under the sun, by the way, is it? That's a Beatles song. The Beatles reference that, that portion of Scripture I'm talking about. But just to prove my point... Uh, You know, the classic rock has always been um, influenced by the Bible. Well, today, we're going to look at a story in the Bible where a guy goes on a bad trip, okay? And if you you don't know what I'm talking about, that's a little bit of an LSD pun, right, from the 60s and 70s. I'm still on that kick a little bit. This guy goes on a bad trip. He's got this crazy vision, okay? He sees this crazy vision of a stairway coming from heaven to earth, right? And so we're going we're gonna to look at that. Now, there was an LSD involved, okay? But we're going to look at that today and, and pick it apart and try to understand what was this vision? What was going on in Jacob's life? And, and today we're going to see how that dream uh, was a promise of protection, of blessing, and ultimately it was pointing toward Jesus and God's plan to redeem mankind. And so if you're here today and you're like, okay, that sounds like a cool story to pick apart, but how is this going to help my life today? Well, I want to I want to say, if you are here today and if you have left a family or if your family is dysfunctional 
or if you have shame, or if you've ever made any mistakes and you feel guilty of sins in your past and you're wondering, does God want anything to do with me? Or can I even be used by God anymore? Then today, this sermon, this message is for you. So we're going to be in Genesis 27 and 28. I'm going to set up the story of everything that kind of led to this point of him having the dream. And my first point is this. Jacob deceived his father and stole God's blessing from Esau. He fled in fear, and along the way, he had this powerful encounter with God. Now, let me set up the story a little bit. Jacob is Isaac's son and Abraham's grandson. And if you know, back in Genesis chapter 12, there was a promise to Abraham. Abraham was like the father of faith, right? And God came to him and said, from you... Uh, all nations of the earth are going to be blessed, and, and, there, and through your offspring and descendants, this will come about. And so Jacob is the next in line uh, to receive that blessing as Abraham and, and, and Isaac is in his old age now, and he's getting ready to pass on the blessing. But the, the issue was is that Jacob was a twin brother, and his brother Esau came out of the womb before him. And so, and, and it said that Jacob was clutching his heel. And so that kind of gives us an idea that this, this metaphor of Jacob clutching his heel meant that he was, the very meaning of Jacob's name is deceiver, right? To grasp onto someone's heel is, is somewhat of a saying to deceive. And so he's this deceiver. Jacob's name is prophetic of who he is. And what happens is Esau is the older one, and normally in that culture, the older person was supposed to receive the birthright and the blessing down on. It was the firstborn son. But something happened where there was a prophecy about Jacob. It said the older was going to serve the younger. And there was a prophecy that was sent to Isaac's wife, Rebekah, uh, early on. But later on in life, Isaac's like, I want to bless Esau. Esau was his favorite. Okay, And so Esau was a hunter and, and Isaac says, go out and kill game and bring it back and, and make that awesome stew that you make. I'm old in age. I want, before I go, I want to pass this blessing on to you. Well, Rebecca gets wind of it. He goes off to go hunt and find that game. And he says, well, she's thinking in her heart, no, it's supposed to be Jacob. And so she goes and plots together with her son and says, we're going to deceive your father. And we're going to get him to believe that it's you are Esau. And you're gonna, we're going to go grab a, 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 a lamb from the flock and, and kill it and make stew out of it. Here in the story in chapter 27, it says this. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. And so they do that. Esau's still gone, and, and Isaac's old in age. He's also blind at this time, and so he thinks he's talking to Esau, and he blesses him. He gives this, him this, the blessing and passes it down as the firstborn son to be the heir and to carry on the promise of God. And Esau comes back, and he's angry. He's like, whoa, that was mine. You stole it from me. And he started to plot to kill his brother. And so Rebecca wanted to save her son, and she sends him on his way to go to his uncle's house and to go pick a 
pick a wife from over there in that land to get, get him out of this dysfunction, out of this crazy story. And so the plan worked, and Rebecca heard, right here is the scripture, the end of chapter 27, heard about Esau's plan, so she sent Jacob and told him, listen, Esau's consoling himself and plotting to kill you, so listen carefully, my son, get ready and flee to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay there and, until he cools off. Now, I want to just stop here for a moment, and I, I want to try to insert ourselves into a similar story, right? Everybody comes from dysfunction and shame in, in some kind of a way, because we live in this imperfect world, right? And so I want you to understand how Jacob is feeling. He's feeling insecure. He just deceived his brother and his father basically lied to get this blessing that was supposed to be his even in the first place, but they, they went about it in a deceptive way. Now his brother wants to kill him, and he is on the run. Have you ever went off and, and you just felt like you were all alone, and you were wondering, man, am I worth it anymore, right? I just did something terrible. Uh, oftentimes people go, and they in that state, they go self-medicate, right? Or they'll go seek out something or someone to, to make them feel better. Or uh, along the way, sometimes God shows up in those moments of our lives and we have a choice to listen to him or not. Or we can listen to the world and everything else that's going on in the world. Or what happens next in the story is God shows up in this powerful way in Genesis 28 in verse 10. As he's on his way, to, to go to his uncle's house because he's fleeing dysfunction and same. It says, Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth to heaven. So he, he shows up in this place called Bethel, which means house of God. And he shows up, and he gets, has this amazing, powerful encounter with God. And before we move any further into trying to understand uh, what's going on in this dream and what he's telling Jacob, I just want, I just want you to understand that uh, God shows up like this, just unexpectedly sometimes in our shame, in our dysfunction, in our guilt, in our insecurity, and he is so good. It is by pure grace that God shows up to him. Jacob doesn't deserve it. He, doesn't, he hasn't earned it right. He's, he's, he's not a very perfect person, as you would, you would think that God would want to use, right? And so what Jacob does is he does the right thing. He worships God because he shows up. And here's what happens. It says, and this, he, he built this memorial pillar, and he says, this memorial pillar I've set up and will become a place for worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. Okay, so he worships God by, by setting up a memorial and by tithing, basically. And, and he does this out of respect. He does this out of love. He does this out of worship. And so let me ask you this question. Do you have places in your life where God has shown up? Have you respected him in, what, in the way he was due, or have you have forgotten him? 
right? We can learn from Jacob's story where we can think about those times and those places where God has shown up. Let us remember those times and not forget them. Let us set up a memorial in our lives. Maybe it's a place that you go to go be alone with God. Maybe it's in your Bible readings in the morning. Maybe it's at a place out in nature. You know, maybe it's church. Maybe it's church where Coming to church certainly reminds you of all of God's goodness in your life. Well, church, I'm trying to tell you, respond to God and look for those ways in which he shows up to you in your brokenness and in your shame like he does with Jacob. And he, he, it's interesting, he, he names this place House of God. Uh, he names this place Bethel because it was so significant that he came to him in this shame and this guilt that he had. It was so um, securing for him. And so let's move on to this second point. God extended his promise to Jacob in spite of his brokenness. The encounter was yet another example that God's plans can't be thwarted. Now, as I said earlier, Jacob is in the line of Abraham and Isaac to receive this blessing that will ultimately pass down to bless all nations of the earth. But yet, Jacob wasn't qualified for this calling, right? How many of you feel like you're not qualified to to serve God, or you're not qualified to uh, come and be with God and his people, and you're not qualified to uh, be able to help another person pursue God because you're not sure where you even stand? Well, Jacob felt this same way. But God says, no, I'm going to use you. It reminds me of my own life. If some of you haven't heard my story, I know I talk about it a lot, but it's kind of the way in which I remember God's goodness in my life. I came from a place of brokenness. I, was, I struggled with addiction, and uh, I got in trouble with the law several times in my teenage and early adult years. And then... After I, you know, got clean and, and came to the Lord and he, he cleaned me up and he found me, I had this, I felt like I had this call on my life, like I believe everybody has a call on their life to go honor God and to help others honor God and pursue God, right? I had this, this call on my life, and, but there was this problem. I had this tarnished past, all these mistakes that I had made, you know, all these things that I had went, I, you know, I, I've rebelled against. And, and so when it came time almost five years ago, a little over four years ago, to pursue ministry, to become the pastor here at this church, um, I, I knew I had to be upfront and honest about everything. And so basically had to share my whole story, all the times that I've you know, you've know, been arrested and, and the, the, the decisions that I've made that have hurt, hurt people and just the chaos that was in my life. And while I was waiting to hear uh, if the team would accept me, I was so insecure. I was like wondering, are they going to allow me to do ministry? This call that I have on my life that I, I know is there, are they going to pick me? Am I worthy enough? Am I good enough? Uh, have I come far enough? Have I worked hard enough? All these insecurities were popping up in my mind. Like, I'm not, I'm not the regular 
pick that you would, I'm not the guy that, you know, got saved at five years old and, and graduated seminary at 22 and, you know, was goody two-shoes guy, like, growing up. That's not me. And uh, I was so insecure. And this is exactly what I believe as I was preparing this message, what Jacob was experiencing something similar. Like, I've deceived, I've come from a dysfunctional family, I'm insecure, I'm all alone. God, do something to show me that you are with me and that you're for me and I haven't just taken it too far and my life's not over. And so let's go on with the story. As you, as you know, you know, God, God came through in my life and, and said, no, I'm going to use you. I am going to use you and I'm, I'm going to clean you up even more and I'm going to put you through hard trials and things in your life so that you can learn and know that I love you and that I am for you. And so this is the same thing I believe that's going on in Jacob's life. Let's, let's go to this promise language that we've been talking about. I want to show you how some of the promises that were given to the first man uh, who God chose, Abraham, are passed down to him, assuring him right? Trying to relieve him of his insecurities. In Genesis 12, this is when God calls Abraham. His name was Abram at the time. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Now in, in chapter 28, as he encounters Jacob here in Bethel, it says, at the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of your father Isaac, and the ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. So basically what God is saying is, look, I am playing my plan out through you. All the mistakes and the sins that you made cannot stop what I am going to do. I'm still going to do it through you. And if you go read through the whole Old Testament, I love the Old Testament because these are real raw people that struggle, right? Just like us today that we can relate to. These are real raw people and God is still using them because that's who God uses. It goes on in Genesis 12. I will make you into a great nation. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. And now he says to Jacob some similar things. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. He's reaffirming Jacob and telling him, look, it's not over. You can't stop what I'm going to do in you and through you. I hope that this speaks to you a little bit today. I hope that you start to see yourself in this story where you can envision that God has a blessing and a plan for you. Now, it's not like this blessing. This is a blessing that points to something greater than all of us, right? But God does have a specific call on each and every one of our lives. And don't let your past keep you from being all that God wants you to be. But let's point to this blessing that God is talking about through Jacob. Jacob had a vision of this stairway connecting to heaven and earth. This stairway was a symbol of Jesus himself the only way to heaven. Now, imagine this dream that he has. He's in this place called Bethel in the wilderness, in the middle of nowhere, and at nighttime he has this dream, and he sees this stairway. 
I mean, what would you envision it looking like, right? And angels coming up and down on it, God standing at the top. Well, let me show you something that would be familiar to them in their day. These are called a, a ziggurat. Not a cigarette, but a ziggurat, okay? And, and, and basically, they're ancient pyramids, and, and instead of being that perfect triangle, they would, they would have levels and levels and levels, and, and, and they would stack up really high, and they'd have stair, staircases at the top, and, and usually at the top of these things would be a place of worship, like a, a, a place where an idol would be or something like that. And this is actually uh, in Ur, which is in Iraq right now, uh, which used to be ancient Babylon. And if you know anything about the Bible, in chapter 11 of Genesis, you know, uh, uh, they built these things, and one in particular because they wanted to make it, their name a name great for themselves, and it said it reached to the highest heavens. Man, in his, his zeal, wanted to be great, and so they built these great buildings to be basically up as high as the heavens. Now, we still do that today with our skyscrapers and stuff like that, but it is amazing to see what they were capable of doing. And what it reminds me of is that man's pride will really never go away until Jesus comes back uh, because man does not want to follow God. He wants to be great. He wants to be God. But God shows him something. Here's the interesting thing about religion. Religion tries to work its way to God or to be God or to be worshipped, right? But but Christianity and God himself through Jesus worked his way to us. You see, religion works your way to God, but God worked his way to us through Jesus. Now, this would have been the thing that he saw showing up, and he, and, and he probably didn't fully understand what it meant. But let's look at some verses side by side, because in order to understand it, fully and truly, we're going to have to see the Old Testament and the New Testament as Jesus kind of talks about what this fully means. But for him, as he saw God at the top of this thing and angels coming up and down, that would mean that God has built and made a way and he is coming. There's a supernatural realm where heaven and earth connect and God is not leaving us alone here on this earth. Jacob must have felt secure, and that's why he, he stood up and worshiped. But later on, Jesus comes on the scene thousands of years later to the Jewish people, and he, he reiterates this verse, and he, he gives us some light on what it actually meant. In Genesis 28, here's the verse. As he slept, he dreamed a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down on the stairway. Here's Jesus as he calls his first disciples on the scene. He said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. You see, what Jacob was getting a glimpse of and a vision of was God trying to fulfill through him this promise that would ultimately come through Jesus Christ. 
he saw an intersection between heaven and earth, and it finally became possible for man and God to be together and commune together, even in our sin and our shame and our rebellion. And Jesus is saying, I am that stairway. I am that intersection. I am the gate. I am the way to heaven. You probably all have heard this verse I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Again, Jesus says, he says this, I am, I'm sorry, John 10, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. Those who come in through me will be saved. And on again in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, it says this, sorry, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Hey, does anybody recognize a song in there? A rock song? You see where they steal all their lyrics from? Highway to hell, ACDC, right? The highway to hell is broad. I promise I'm not going to ask the worship team to do that one. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road, road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Jesus was fulfilling a prophecy that Jacob didn't quite fully understand, but is fully realized in Jesus Christ himself. Back to this verse. Jesus is the stairway to heaven, between heaven and earth. Now, we can have a place where we can come to commune with God. We don't have to go seek out Bethel anymore, as it means house of God, right? Everybody's searching for some kind of supernatural divine protection and power. Everybody wants to tap into that, right? And so you hear, you know, churches name themselves Bethel, and, and uh, you know, even there are worship music by a band named Bethel, and it's because they're, they're focused on this thing. They want to they get to the supernatural, right? But Jesus is the better Bethel, We don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to name ourselves something from the Bible. We don't have to be anywhere, join a religion, join a following. We don't have to seek out artifacts. We don't have to go and play with, uh, you know, healing stones. And and, and, uh, I was just on Facebook last night, and uh, there was on, on Brigham City Classified, somebody put this live stream of a, of a, a psychic medium, right? And she had like these these crystal stones or whatever. And I was like, I was a little bit angered by it. And I wrote a comment: Why in the world is this on the Brigham City classifieds of this this woman trying to conjure up uh, spirits? You know, trying to conjure up talking. You know, trying to talk to the dead for people, right? And, but it just goes to show that everybody's looking for something supernatural, right? Everybody wants a little bit of peace of the divine, of heaven. But we have Jesus. Jesus is the better Bethel. He is the one who gives us that pathway to the div- divine. So we don't need to go join some kind of cult or religious following to be in God's presence. No, he made a stairway and he sent it down and he's got angels ministering, coming back and forth from heaven to earth all the time. If we could only see this spiritual realm, 
we would have a security that surpasses the way that we feel about ourselves. We would understand that God sent Jesus, the Son of Man, the one who will have authority in the end, who comes to make all things new. The one who is the connection to He's the, the mediator between us and God. First Timothy 2.5 says, There is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Jesus Christ. So to connect to God and to, to come into his presence doesn't mean going and seeking every kind of spiritual thing out there in the world. It means coming to the truth and realizing that God sent his son for you and for me, to die on the cross so that we don't have to feel the guilt and the shame anymore, but we can believe that that sacrifice that God did with his son on the cross makes us right. It was a plan that started from the very beginning. That's what Genesis means, beginnings. The plan from the very beginning that came to play out fully was the man Jesus Christ. And my question for you as I close here today is this. What will you do with him? What will you do with Jesus? Is he just another one of those spiritual uh, gurus in your life that you add to it along with all the other things going on out there in the world, in our culture? Is he, is he, is he one that you respect as a teacher, as even a prophet? Or is he your king? Is he your Lord and Savior? Do you see him as God's fulfillment of love for you and me? And if you do see him as that way, will you worship him like Jacob worshiped him? He set up memorials. He, he gave him. He knew that God is a giver of all things. And by faith, he gave back to God. By faith, he honored God. By faith, he followed God. And by faith, he kept going being secured by God's promise in our life, even in his brokenness. So if you are here today and you have not made Jesus your Lord and Savior, I pray that you would do that before you leave today. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we're just so amazed at your plan and your purposes. Um, as we dig into your word more and more, God, we're just... We're just, it's just, nobody could make this stuff up, you know? The Bible was written over a time span of over 1,500 years by 40 different authors on three different continents and three different languages. And there's no way that all these people could come together and make this story so cohesive and and, and bring about all these prophecies that come true. God, there is no way. So God, I pray that that would be the, the reaction to all of us here today is that we would be in awe that you really did make a way for us to know you. You're not unknowable, but you are a very relational God that wants to know his people. And he wants, you want to know all of us in this room intimately. And the way for that to happen was through Jesus Christ. God, let us realize that he is all we need. He is who we need. 
and in our shame and our dysfunction and our guilt, God. Let us lay that all down at the cross as we proclaim and profess that Jesus died on the, sin, uh, on the cross for our sins once and for all and that he rose from the dead on the third day and he defeated sin and death. And we too can die with him and be raised to new life with him. God, let us realize the only way to heaven is to take the stairs. And Jesus is that way. We love you, God. We praise you. Be glorified and honored. In Jesus' name, amen.